From Los Angeles, California, this is The Relationship Show with Dr. Wendy and Miss Jenny. This is a casual conversation between two friends and colleagues taking serious topics not so seriously. This podcast contains strong language and is intended for mature audiences. It is for entertainment purposes only. Enjoy. Because if you can't share what you like, you're going to have some problems. That's right. When you really love somebody, you got to love everything about them. You got to love the crust of a motherfucker. You can't just love the white part of the bread. You got to love the crust, the crumbs, the little fucking crumbs at the bottom of the toaster. That's what the real motherfucker is. Whatever you into, your woman got to be into too, and vice versa, or the shit ain't going to work. It ain't going to work. It ain't going to work. That's right. If you born again, your woman got to be born again too. If you a crackhead, your woman got to be a crackhead too, or the shit won't work. You can't, you can't be like, I'm going to church. Where you going? Hit the pipe? <laughs> that relationship ain't going nowhere. Well, two crackheads can stay together forever. You've got to be into the same things, and that's compatibility. And I don't know if it's, again, that cookie cutter, you have to be as swept up and swept away on that level as someone else, you know, but interested you know, of interest, <clears throat> my my husband is obsessed with ESPN, and I love that. But I was not a sports person until I met him. Because I love him, and I want to be with him, and I saw how important sports was to him, I found a way to be with him. I brought pretzels, and we would sit and drink sodas, and we would watch the game, and I would ask him questions, and I wanted to, you know, I wanted to be with him and learn about his world. And so, you know, just like he's curious about psychology and would sit and ask me questions about it or whatever. So I don't think you have to be identical twins and everything. Um, yeah. In fact, that would be really freaky and boring, <laughs> uh, creepy even. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know. The you, ultimate narcissist fantasy, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But, you, you know, just just interested and, and have fun and learn about each other's world. This could be useful. You know, uh, one of the comments that I get is men will love to do video games and women feel so, this is just an example that comes up often, women feel really humiliated or abandoned when the man plays video games. And I'll say to them, have you ever thought of joining in with them, playing with them, dressing up in a cute little, you know, outfit, right. um, you know, making it's a beautiful a steak large. dinner and, you know, and, and you know, being with him, lighting candles and, you know, being with him. And they see that as weakness. And I, and I don't. If you love someone, you're going to embrace some of the things. Now, if we're talking about addiction and red right. flag issues... That's something totally different. But I'm just saying embracing the other's world. Being open to it. Yeah. There's a line that I've said more times than I can count, and I wish I knew where I first heard it. The key to a good relationship is that you need to be enough alike to be interested and different enough for it to be interesting. Oh, interesting. I like that. And interested in what they're interested in 
even if it's only because they're interested in it. Like you're talking about, you had no interest in sports. There is nothing sexier than watching my husband watch ESPN. (laughs) I don't know if anybody ever remembers that uh, Sex in the City episode where Samantha goes to a sports bar, all the girls do, and Samantha meets this guy who's like watching football, and it's just the sexiest thing ever. Don Siegler was a very successful importer of Mexican handbags. He was fanatical about two things, keeping the price of foreign labor down and the Knicks. Maybe I could teach you a few things. And vice versa. I I love it because my husband is enthusiastic. He's energetic. He's moved. He's emotional. And it's meaningful and it's personal. And I just, I love watching him more than the game. I just think it's fascinating. (laughs) I love that something is so inspirational to him and so emotional to him. And, you know, do I love all the time watching baseball games that might be a little slow? No, but we'll negotiate. I'll watch a little with him and then I'll watch my Lifetime movies in another room. You know, you negotiate. Right. So it doesn't have to be where... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You You don't have to love everything they love. Yeah. But but, be interested. Yeah, and I appreciate that it's important to him and I'm also always open to certain things so when it comes to football or basketball I'm always open football's the big thing in our house and and I can appreciate it and I appreciate it more than ever sort of like you were talking about because being with him and it's such a big it's, it's really for my husband it's his outlet like that's his hobby almost without playing but like following it <laughs> and so to me that that's how I feel closer to him is knowing that when he comes in and, and Tony Romo has done something amazing mm-hmm. or, you know, the elation he feels, I can join him in that or the devastation when Tony Romo's injured or, you know. Or and you know what's there. so interesting is sometimes women think, oh, it's the cheerleaders, you know, if you come from or you're they raised, right? And when you're raised with a parent or two that has that jealousy chip, uh, and then you project that on to your husband or your significant other. It's so interesting because they prove it to be wrong. Like, you know, it's not about the cheerleaders. It's totally about the game. And that's so fascinating. Learning more about it, I can understand more. Like, oh, you're right. That is really yeah. interesting yeah. that that person just got done with this and this and this. Or that nobody ever thought that that person was going to play again. And so Sports psychology. Fascinating. I can't even watch. I, I can't wait for the boxing. You're into boxing? Oh, my God. I can't wait for the, the uh, May 2nd boxing with Pacquiao and... Pacquiao. See, I'm not into boxing. You will. You will because your guy's going to want to watch it. It's amazing. It's exciting. It's really amazing to watch our partners be enthusiastic and energetic about something, and then that makes us turned on. It makes us feel like, like on another level. If that makes them happy, you want them to be in that zone. Right. I think it has to go both ways as well. I mean, you mentioned your go. You, there's times when you go and watch your Lifetime shows or whatever. Or, or for me, I'll go and watch Scandal. Like I know Scandal's like the one thing Tom was just like, oh yeah, I, I can't. Like that's you can just okay. Like, and my husband, just for the record, I'm sure he would not sit with me and watch Lifetime movies, but that's okay. And am I deeply wounded? I could care no, less. Like I love it. Yeah. To me, that's when you're not around. I'm gonna kick back and watch. This is my me time. Yeah, you can have your 
your own time. So there's separate time, there's us, there's we, you know, uh, but it's nice. It's nice when you find things of interest, but it's also very okay that everybody has their own time. Like you said, I'm into theater and musical theater. Not my sport love, my sports loving husband's thing, but he has come <laughs> to appreciate it. He has come to understand why it's important to me and what I like about it. And there are certain <laughs> things where it's like, yeah, I'm not so into that, but I can totally get with this. Mm-hmm. You know, there's he can appreciate uh, great talents like mm-hmm. Kristen Chenoweth or Patti Lapone mm-hmm. and you know and it's not it's not threatening to his manhood mm-hmm. you know not uh-huh. so and that's beautiful and he understands it also from an artistic point of view yes. which is also part of the compatibility yeah that actually transitions right into the other thing life priorities and tempo right that you have to have an understanding of the pace of life that you want, even if it's different. But if somebody's like super hyper active, athletic, and the other person never wants to exercise and just wants to sit on the couch all the time, there's huge potential for conflict. Unless you can release it and allow people to be who they are and you don't care. But often there'll be resentment that builds up it's unexpressed and then years go by and then somebody blows up right so but it doesn't mean again that cookie cutter everybody has to be an aerobics instructor and who is from the 80s (laughs) why did i even say that that's like an 80s like did you ever do aerobics yeah but you know i'm I'm always surprised i think there's still jazzercise classes i love jazzercise Oh my god, I love like uh, leg warmers. But 20 years from now, people are going to be saying the same thing about Zumba if they're not. You'll be back, Jazzercise. (laughs) You'll be back. Yeah. But, you know, not the cookie cutter. You know, you don't have to be in this twinship where you have to do everything, but you have to talk about any built up resentments or frustrations. You know, I think it's more about being partners and attunement. I think it's, are we attuned with each other or are we not? Big thing with couples therapy that is very hard for me to, to hear is when couples don't sleep in the same bed. It makes me sad for them because one or both will desire to sleep together and yet somebody will kick themselves out of bed or, you know, and, and I know they're all different reasons for snoring or for, you know, different, you know, or for different bio rhythms that, you know, some people are morning people and some people are evening people. But I still believe in this negotiation. There's got to be some, we can come to the table with meeting us halfway. You come this way and I come this way and we, we get our needs met. Why wouldn't you want to cuddle with each other? Why wouldn't you want attention and affection and, and love and, even if it's just for the first part of the night and then everybody goes to different beds right. or earplugs or whatever. But there's a lot of avoidance that happens too, which which is hard. Some couples do come to bed, but then they just avoid each other with the iPads. But I also know some couples who are very happy and have their own rooms, but I think it taps into what you were just saying. They from what I understand, and I'm not in those relationships, so I can only talk about what I've been told in different circumstances, 
there are set patterns of intimacy, whether it's the cuddling before bed or the ritual of every night we watch the Daily Show together and then we kind of make out or we cuddle or whatever and then... And everybody says we're tired. We're so tired. We're so tired. And you know, I know people are tired, but if you don't prioritize and you don't make your relationship a priority, it's not going to work out. It won't because it's going to go to the bottom of the list And the thing is, it feels good to make each other feel good. And it's celebration of life and celebration of connection. And and then you think about the children and you're role modeling for the children too, not to guilt anybody, but you know, kids watch parents. And they, they, when we get a, a, a child or a teenager or a young adult or even an adult in our office, we often will say, did you grow up with affection? attention and how often do we hear nope my parents didn't touch and that's so hard because then they feel like they're adults and now that's how it should be when really they feel like being affectionate or is that wrong or bad all these different thoughts about how to be and so we have to kind of reparent them all over again so it sounds like maybe they feel the need or the desire for that affection and attention but that feeling might frighten them as well because it's so foreign it's a foreign and they don't know how to get it or it makes them feel vulnerable Uh or yeah i can see that but i also know a lot of couples who in creative fields too again we were talking about schedules or people who were writing and they just tend to write late at night when it's the quietest you know um maybe when everybody's asleep or um are insomniacs right i have several friends who are (laughs) terrible insomniacs and so i understand that those things can become very disruptive to sleeping together again back to compatibility and priorities you have to be on the same page and negotiate that and If it works for you and everybody's feeling happy and taken care of, then who am I to say what it should look like or shouldn't? It's just that is the most important thing is that the communication is happening and that nobody is harboring secret resentments. Totally. Yeah. Just Just talk about it and deal with it. Ugh, I am good. If it's important to you, you have to say something about it. You, go, you have to. You have to. <laughs> you should. I encourage you. We, yeah. we would totally encourage somebody to talk about something like that. You know, how much time, how, how big of a role does work play in your life? Mm-hmm. And that has to be negotiated. And, and how often do we see avoidance in that? Oh, I'm working morning, noon, and night. I put the kids to bed, and then we go back to work. You know, there's a certain amount of avoidance that happens in a relationship, and to just deal with that. Moving on. How important is time with your friends and family? Sort of a social compatibility. Are are you extroverted and your partner's introverted? And is that okay? Does that work for you? And maybe it does. Maybe it does because you're introverted, your, your partner is extroverted, and so it brings you out of your shell more. But if it's something that's keeping you from joining with your partner, then again, it's a conflict area and not a compatibility area. Learning new things from your partner's interests that are unlike yourself and 
uh, or being with someone who's super, super neat and you're not, and how you might actually be able to rise up a little bit more or learn from your partner mm -hmm. things that you want to learn, what things that you admire. So if I want, if I, if I'm not an organized person and my partner is, and I really admire that, I might be able to learn something about how to be more organized mm -hmm. by being around that person if I'm respectful. Or the OCD time. person who can relax a little and allow mess to happen and tolerate it. Yeah, absolutely. And technology, like you said, how does that factor into the time together? That's also something that's a big compatibility factor. That's like one of the top three, really. Sex, money, and technology is really, you know, just... just uh, text wars and misunderstanding in technology, miscommunication and tone. Can't really read tone of voice with technology or what was really meant instead of what was really said. Uh, technology is huge and, you know, social technology, when people break up, there's a lot of social media stalking and, you know, I call it cracky behavior and kind of it's important to get off the crack kind of thing. But at the same time, I don't give advice. I mean, I feel like you got to hit bottom in order for things to change. So if they have to do it, at least they're talking about it. But there, there comes a time when technology is, it's, uh, it's, it's a whole different world. You have to be on the same page with your partner about how that fits into your life together. Yep. There are a lot of couples, very interesting, there are a lot of couples who are not friends on Facebook. My husband isn't on Facebook. I am the, I am the Facebook social media. He's on Twitter. Ah, he's on Twitter? He's That's on funny. Twitter. Interesting yeah. he's on Twitter, not Facebook. I don't know why that just made me feel like that. It's so fascinating what social media people are okay with and what they're not, you know? Well, again, it's a huge difference between us. I mean, we're one yeah. of these introverted, extroverted couples. He's yeah. introverted, I'm extroverted. I, but I've taken the Meyer Briggs test several yeah. times, and I, we took it, and he took it when I was in grad school <laughs> five years ago or whatever. We're the exact same except for introverted, extroverted. He's introverted, mm -hmm. I'm extroverted. I just retook it recently, and now I am 50-50 extroverted-introverted, where before I was very decidedly extroverted. To me, that indicates that I've become a little more introverted since being with him. And I don't see that as a bad thing. I think of it as a balanced thing, and I, I'd be interested in him taking it to see if he's become a little more extroverted. But it's, again, about the influence that we have on our partners, mm -hmm. if we're open to it. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate his introverted nature. You have I to see them for what, what they are and understand that. It's like the five love languages, you know. I think that's a wonderful book, and I think that's a nice book for couples to understand somebody's love language in the, yeah, introverted and extroverted and, and to just appreciate, not change it, but say, okay, that's what that looks like, and, and I'm okay with it. I don't need to change it, and it's not threatening to me. It's not scary. Now I know silence doesn't mean trauma, or silence doesn't mean drama or fighting, or that something is bad or wrong in our relationship. It just means he's quiet, and there's nothing scary about that. Yeah. Some other areas, spirituality and religion, which we've already talked about. And again, the, I think that it's most important if you've got kids, because... 
if you've got kids and you have really conflicting views on those things, you may be able to have a relationship uh, without kids and be an atheist and a devout Catholic. But, you know, you bring a child into it and then you're going to open up a conversation about how you're going to raise that child. Mm -hmm. And then that's going to become a conflict or its potential conflict area, depending on how important it is to you. So politics can also be a really divisive issue. Totally. I remember my grandparents were, my grandfather was a Democrat, my grandmother was a Republican. This is a long time ago. I was on the phone with them, and they were both on the phone. It was those days when you would call, and they'd both get on an extension, Ah! and you're talking to both of them. Cute. And my grandmother was talking about something. She's very pro-gay rights, and I was like, Nana, you should... You should run for president. And my grandfather was like, she should not. She's a Republican. And it was so funny to me because her point of view was, to me, very hip and liberal. But to him, just the fact that she's a Republican. No, no, she should not. (laughs) No. And how long were they married? Oh, God. Well, it was uh, her second marriage, but it lasted until she passed away, and and he never remarried. He was heartbroken until until he passed. How old was she when she passed away? Um, Early 80s. And how old was he? He was 10 years younger than her. Oh. And he was in his 70s, I think. I don't really remember. They got each other, though, even with those differences. Oh, yes. And they were into all the same crazy things. They were both master gardeners. They were both into theater. They were both teachers. Shared interests, yep. Shared interests. And even though they each had their own things that they did, they really appreciated what the other person did. My grandfather was an amazing baker. They would both teach themselves how to do all these amazing things. And my grandmother was this amazing cook. And so, like, between the two of them, they could put together a meal that was just unbelievable. That was amazing to watch them maneuver in the kitchen together, doing two different things at the same time, but which were both important and which they both admired the other person. Yep. And that, to me, was wonderful role modeling. I mean, that was really the relationship the kind of relationship, the spirit of the relationship that I was looking for my entire life. Moving on. So chemistry can come out of those things, like the sharing of the interests, like you were talking about watching your husband watch watch football and how sexy that can be. Watching your partner thriving at something can be incredible turn on even after years of being together when you feel like you are tired but then they just do something or say something that's just like oh my god you are so hot (laughs) just the intellectual attraction Uh yeah often we'll do couples therapy and the woman will say I want to get deep I want to get so deep I want to talk about deep things And men will often say, I'll get deep, but just talk to me. Like, what do you want to talk about? So it's not that they don't want to get deep. They'll go there if you introduce it. But often I think women have this expectation they should just know to go there. Right. The mind reader. Yeah. And what I'll say is if you want to go there, go there and then open it up for him. If, if he refuses to go to a deep place, that's one thing. 
But, you know, I think the power struggle is very hard because I think a lot of women say, he needs to go there first. And that's where people get stuck, like the power struggle. Who needs to do what first? It doesn't matter. Like, if you want to get deep, start getting deep. And if they can get deep, that's great. If they cannot get deep and you need a deep guy, then you need to go find a deep guy. Right. You know, some men are just not into it, but it doesn't mean they're not wonderful. It just means, you know, they don't want to sit and pontificate uh, about the stars every night. However, I think there's also a responsibility of the person who wants to get Pontificate. Deep. Did you get that? Pontificate. I'm up to the P's. My word of the day calendar says pontificate. pontificate. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, like a woman saying, I want him to get deep and have his deep conversations. But there's also a responsibility on the person who wants to have that conversation. Like you said, to, to talk about it, bring it up if you want to. But to also recognize that maybe you're not attracted or naturally attracted to men who have those conversations. Let's look at that. Like how many men have you been with or, or women, you know, whatever. How many people, if this is what you're into... Like, how many people have you dated that are into this thing? Yeah, like, don't set up yourself for someone who doesn't want to go there and then get mad at them, and then the blame happens. Right. So often in couples therapy, we'll see a lot of blame, blaming. And you can't blame someone for not being what you want them to be. You have to see that person for who they are and what they can bring to the relationship. But if you keep getting angry year after year after year of who that person is then you need to pick a different person. <laughs> Don't keep berating that person because they're not truly what you're looking for and that you're too scared because of intimacy issues or trust issues or whatever to really go out and get what you want. Yeah. If you are really into jocks who are really into sports and you go to the sports bars and you pick up the guys who are with the other guys and that's their thing and that turns you on or whatever, then you can't be surprised when that's what draws you to someone. You can't be surprised or disappointed when then those other things that you're now deciding that you want later in the relationship aren't there because... That wasn't why you got into that person in the first place. I mean, and like you said, you know, a lot of people change the rules halfway. So I'm okay with him and to the first five years, and then all of a sudden I change the rules. And, you know, I want a jock, and he's a jock, and then all of a sudden I don't want a jock. Right. Suddenly I want a sensitive man to take me to musical theater. That's what gay friends are for. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right, that's stereotypical, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to offend anybody. I love musical there are theater. of gay men who don't like musical theater, I'm sure. <laughs> so, admire the differences. Yeah, that, embrace that, them. Sure. Yeah, that's also a big part of compatibility, is you can get with someone who's different than you, who has qualities that you admire and aspire to be like. Because that hotness wears off. Yeah. That hotness wears off. I think I might have to quote you on that. The hotness wears off. Unless you work at it. I have might I quote you? <laughs> I love that. The hotness wears off. I might have to get a t-shirt that says that. 
I love that. I think because my husband it will. Would, would probably uh, argue with me about that. But again, no, it's, I'm going to tell you, the hotness does wear off. And guess what? Where are you after the hotness wears off? Because we're really talking about the honeymoon phase, right? Right. And when you cool off, that's when the real relationship starts. So I agree with you. It does wear off. It doesn't go extinct. It doesn't have to be go extinct. And it can change. It's also about what's most important to you. Mm -hmm. How important is that to you? For me, I think sex is a very important part of a long-term relationship. And so when things do cool down eventually, how do you sustain that? And you need to be on the same page about it again, going back to talking about it. Or and define hotness because can't hotness change and shift throughout the years? Absolutely, and I think it's also different for one person than the other, you know. For one person, hotness might be a blowjob in the car, and the other person, it, it might be, you know, a bubble bath and a foot massage. Totally. Right? Yep. <laughs> or getting a handwritten poem emailed to you. Picking or, a daisy. Right, yeah. or a sext, you know, in the middle of the day, mm -hmm. like something about what you want to do to your partner when you see them at you know, and getting that in the middle of a meeting yep. might be incredibly hot. Yep. It could be really distracting and annoying, too, but you got to know your audience. Mm -hmm. and Keep it playful. Yeah. Yeah. And creative. Yeah, and so what you're also saying is you got to work at it. I that think I think there's a myth. Chemistry. Yeah, and I think there's a myth, well, shouldn't it be there? It should automatically be there. No, people. you got to work at it, no matter how much love... There is no much, you know, no matter how much chemistry and, and natural ability that a couple has, you gotta work at it. You gotta you gotta be proactive and not passive. Do you think that chemistry or, or compatibility, either chemistry or compatibility, are things that can be developed over time, or? Um, or do you think they're either there or they're not there? No, I definitely think they can be developed. How many times have we heard people go on a few dates and at first they weren't interested, but they thought they were nice people on second date? Oh, you know what? This person's really nice. We have a lot in common, not attractive. And third date, boom, total chemistry. We hear that all the time. So, you know, a lot of times I tell my single women to stay open because... You know, you never know what can happen and you have to give people a chance. Stay Open by Dr. Wendy O'Connor is available on Amazon and through her website, www.doctorwendyoconnor.com. If you just, you know, out the gate, say no in two seconds to a nice guy who has like all the nuts and bolts of what you want in a nice husband or a, a dad, uh, for your children, you know, then then if you if you emasculate them and cut them out of your life too quickly, you're missing out on a whole bunch of really lovely men, and I could say vice versa for the women. Tips and resources. This could be useful. I know we've talked about John Gottman has some amazing materials on relationships. Harville Hendricks, getting the love you want. The Five Love Languages. Bringing in the One. Have you ever read that? No, I've never It's a read that wonderful one. book, Bringing in the One, and she has beautiful visualizations about really being clear on what you're looking for and then bringing them in. 
Are there any online resources that you found or compatibility tests or? I like that one that you, the, the MMPI, the oh. Briggs, what? The Myers-Briggs, yeah. Yeah, I think that's kind of fun because it's, I think it's easy enough for couples to do. No, I think your gut intuition and your instinct and, and to trust it and pu- push yourself. I think if you're overwhelmed and scared a little bit, I don't think that's bad. I think that's intimacy issue, and I would encourage to kind of people to explore that and and see what that brings up. You know, people feel nowadays everybody, you know, takes a pill or goes on technology and kind of numbs out. But I think it's very healthy to feel anxious and take a deep breath and see what that person's about. You know, you never know. You never know what you're going to end up with. It's going to look totally different than sometimes what you think you're supposed to end up with. I agree. Keeping the open mind, like you're saying, um, also keeping that mind open when things don't work out as well, to not let one or two bad experiences define the rest of your experiences Mm -hmm. and to try to find the lessons in that. This might actually lead into a dream journal exercise. Dr. Wendy's dream journal. Love the dream journal. I know in the Valentine's Day episode, we talked about bottom lines, things that you absolutely won't tolerate in a relationship. But another thing for the dream journal is the other, like a list of 10 to 20 things that you must have in a relationship. Deal breakers. Yeah, it is okay to have specific things that you want, that the person has to have a job. Like, that's just an example, not something for everybody's list. You know, for some people that may not be. Yeah, don't have a job. (laughs) For for a very successful man, it might not be important. You'll be a trust fund baby. Don't have a job. Whatever you do, do not have a job. No, but I understand what you're saying. You know, what you would like, you know, what you could live without and what is really meaningful and important. I remember going on a lot of blind dates and every time I would come back from the date disappointed or sad or frustrated. And I would open my dream journal and I would make a list like of what I didn't want to, you know, or like, oh, yeah, if the guy was excessive about biting his nails and I didn't want somebody who bit their nails or someone who was an excessive pot smoker and I'm just not into marijuana for me so you know or a cigarette smoker or whatever it is so deal breakers you know or very religious or whatever it is it's important to keep adding to your dream journal and also besides what you don't want a partner to be what you do want them to be what do you envision matter what they do but you want them to have the same work ethic that you do or that the person has to be the same religion as you are that's a really important Mm, thing absolutely go for what you want i mean dream it visualize it bring it in absolutely go for what you want if you're unmonogamous and you want an open relationship that is something you absolutely have to you cannot get with somebody who wants monogamy if you want an open relationship nobody's going to be happy yep Somebody's going to be disappointed. And maybe you'll be happy in the short term, but in the long term, there's going to be conflict. So it's not about rigidity. It's about 
knowing what you're looking for. It's hard to find it if you don't know what you're looking for. And stay open and think outside the box because you're always going to be surprised because, you, you know, there's no movie love at all. Movie love doesn't exist. So a lot of times you're going to be surprised with what flows in your path, you know? Well, and the other thing about movie love, just for the record, is also that it tends to be, in its fantasy, it's a snapshot. It is a, it is a moment. You, you don't see what has happened before the movie, and you don't see what's happened afterwards. Mm-hmm. You know, I think about when Harry met Sally, and even though at the very end of When Harry Met Sally, you get the little testimonial with the two of them talking about their wedding. Three months later, we got married. It only took three months. Twelve years and three months. We had this we had a really wonderful wedding. It was, it really was a It was great. Wedding. We had this enormous uh, coconut cake. A huge coconut cake with the, with the tears, and there was this, this very rich chocolate sauce on the side. Right, because not everybody likes it on the cake because it makes it very soggy. It's particularly the coconut soaks up a lot of that stuff, so you really, it's important to keep it on the side. But then that's it, and you just go up and you assume, well, they're going to have the best relationship ever because they were such great friends and everything they've been through, and they just had this, and he's really learned to tolerate the fact that she's got to have everything on the side. He's even kind of gotten that way a little bit, but that's it. Whatever after that is all fantasy in your mind. The reality, you never see the reality. And know that everything is possible. You know, I think people get really discouraged and they think it's not out there and it's a it's a numbers game and there's not enough women for men or not enough men for women. I think that's all BS and I feel like go after what you want. If you're interested in something, regardless of what I call the audience, who are the family and friends who are naysayers, go for what you want. You know, hold your head up and go get what you want. There's wonderful, beautiful, loving, caring people out there. And I don't know, I guess it's the dreamer in me, but I think anything's possible. And there are all kinds of relationships. It's up to you and your partner to define what that is and what it's going to look like. And if it's okay for you guys, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. If if everybody is happy and treating each other respectfully and communicating, Mm -hmm. then the specifics of that... That's your business. It's your business. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Woo! All right, so um, on that note, we'll wrap up on compatibility and... Can I uh, eat my other part drink. of my Snickers? Yes. Yes, Snickers. Um, we are actually recording today at the Marriott. We're going to be at a couples conference yeah. all, all weekend. So, uh, hey, Manhattan Beach, what up? <laughs> So, uh, Couples in, conference. In a few days, we might completely disagree with everything we've just said. I doubt it. But <laughs> it's going to be an awesome conference. But if you all have phone, you know, questions, please right. call us three one zero seven one two one two three zero. Email Dr. Wendy O'Connor at gmail dot com. Our website Dr. Wendy O'Connor dot com or JennyJVWilson.com. What's your Twitter? Jenny J.V. Wilson. Nice. At, at Jenny J.V. Wilson, yes. Yeah, so and mine's at Ask Dr. Wendy. You can find us on Facebook and also drwendyoconnor.com. Doctor spelled out D-O-C-T-O-R. Call us, tweet us, email us, text us. Post a review. It's great to listen iTunes. to all of you. Thank you so much for supporting the show. We love our fans. Love what up? You. <laughs> oh, I got it. You've been listening to The Relationship Show with Dr. Wendy and Miss Jenny, 
a casual conversation between two friends and colleagues taking serious topics not so seriously. Dr. Wendy O'Connor and Jenny J.V. Wilson see clients in private practice in Los Angeles, California, and can be found online at www.doctorwendyoconnor.com and www.jennijbwilson.com. For entertainment purposes only. I love that. The hotness wears off. I might have to get a t-shirt that says that.